this month is a month where we're going to be focusing on basically like how to harvest. So uh, we've looked at how to share the gospel. Now, so this is how to harvest. So uh, leading people to Jesus. Like how, how do we do that? It's great talking about kind of little ideas and things. But we're going to do some practical getting out on the streets. A, a little group of us did that uh, a couple of months ago. Just went out, had a great time. Uh, some with more effectiveness perhaps than others. I think uh, I was in a group that talked talk to like one or two people. Another group talked to like about eight people in one group, uh, which was amazing. And uh, lots of uh, conversations which were brilliant. So, if you've got your Bibles, could you turn to 1 Peter 3.15-16? to 16? So 1 Peter, it's in the New Testament. Uh, one of the first epistles. 1 Peter uh, 3, verses 15-16. to So I'll just give you a moment to find those. So this is a very famous verse. I'm sure any of you, particularly if you've done any evangelism training or anything like this, you you all know these verses. And so we're going to approach these verses from um, the the common standpoint, which I'm sure we're probably all aware of if you've been a a Christian for more than a couple of years and you've come across this before. And then I'd like to spend a little bit of time at the end, just kind of giving it a bit of a broader context, just to help us to think of it perhaps a little bit more biblically than I think most of us do, um, if that's okay. And so um, I think both things are true. So it's not like the first thing is nonsense and the second one is like the the better way. I think actually both are very, very true. Um, But I think if we don't think of the second part of it, uh, which we'll get onto in a moment, we we really lose something about what it is to be a disciple. Um, We end up a bit weak and woolly. And so um, I'm just going to read it through. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. Um, And we're sort of jumping in halfway through Peter's letter halfway through what he's writing and it's halfway through an argument so you're always in a little bit of a, um, an imposition when you're grabbing a verse out to say right let's do this when it's kind of in, set in like a, a, a jewel in a ring is often set within gold isn't it there's a wider thing that you're meant to look at it's like that with this verse this verse on its own just taken out kind of doesn't really make sense unless you look at the wider argument which we'll do in a moment but 1 Peter 3.15 says this it, but in your hearts Honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And then the next verse, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. I'll just read verse 15 again. Blue, if you could pop it up. But in your hearts... I'm going to read it slowly. In your heart. So where's your heart? Okay. It's not talking about your physical heart. It's talking about your emotions, your soul, kind of the seat of who you are. In your, in your being, yeah? Just to be kind of... Otherwise, it's like in my heart. Like I did that when I was at Faversham recently. What's in your heart? And everyone was going blood and, you know, like proteins and... All these other things. There was a couple of people that knew stuff. I thought, oh my gosh. Um, and I was like, no, there's not. There's a throne in your heart. And Jesus is meant to sit on it. And um, obviously, if we've been literal, like a scientific textbook, there is not a throne in your heart. If you had a throne in your heart, you would probably have a cardiac arrest. But the way that Peter's writing here is it's a metaphorical thing. Yeah. So in your heart, in the seat of who you are, Hope Church Sittingbourne, honour Christ. So we're talking about Jesus, the promised Messiah. Honour him. The Lord, so the one who rules and reigns, the promised one who's been there from the start all the way through to beginning, in your being, honour him as holy. 
as set apart, as different, as unique, as special. Yeah? So in your heart, honour this Jesus, who you've not seen with your eyes, other than in God's people, and maybe in miracles, or in generosity, but you've heard about him, and hopefully you've met him. Honour this guy, who's more than a guy, because I've got to be careful what I say, because it's been recorded, but honour him as set apart, like no one or nothing that you've ever met. Unique. Really unique. Not in a way that is like odd, but in a way that is odd. Completely different. You'll never ever find anything like it. Nothing or no one that could compare to him. So in your art, in your art, in your heart, honour him as holy. Always. What, what does always mean? It means always. Always means always. Yeah, always. 24-7 being prepared or ready to make a defence to anyone. Who, what does anyone mean? Anyone. Not just people you like. Not just people like when, like, Colin, can I share a story about when we went out? Is that okay? And we saw the scary guys. Yeah, thank you, darling. So we went out. We were part of this little group that went out recently. This is what anyone means. We went up to a lady that had a lovely dog. And the dog's an easy in when you go up to people. You want to share the gospel. Oh, what a lovely dog you've got. Straight away the conversation starts, doesn't it? Or if you've got children, oh, I love your son. How, how old is he? Or your grandchild, how old are they? A conversation opens up, doesn't it? And the, the focus is this um, object, isn't it? Or person or animal. It's really easy. And then you can just slowly like, hop into a conversation very easily. Um, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name's this. And then, you know, that, that's not too difficult to do. For some it is, but it's not too difficult to do. But then there were other people just around the corner as we went to Morrison's that we were approaching and there were two guys who looked like they, you know, like if you've ever seen any gangster films or anything like that, these guys were big and muscly and they had tight black t-shirts on and tattoos and skinheads. And, uh, and I'm really, I've got to repent. I, I think I said they're no for them. Like, can we pray for you? No. Like, I, I'd already had that conversation in my head like as soon as I saw them. Like with my daughter, like should we, we didn't even, you know, we, we said they're no for them. Those guys won't want to hear about Jesus. But this lovely lady with the nice cute dog wheel, you know, like how, where does that come from? Anyone, anyone, always being ready to give a reason to anyone. The lady with the dog, the lady without a dog, the scary guy that looks like he's going to beat you up if you even mention anything. Anyone, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. But the interesting thing, it says, always being prepared to make a defence, and and then the next bit, to anyone who asks you for a reason. So this is an interesting tactic, in that it's not going out, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, just what it says here. This is about people approaching you, asking you, at work, has anyone ever said, why do you believe in Jesus? Some of you might have had that conversation. I'm sure you have. Put your hands up if you have. Just a few. Well, like, give yourself a little pat on the back. You're clearly doing a good job. They asked you. That's all right. Yeah, 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 that's good. So there's a, there's a way of living that opens up people inquiring of you about why on earth do you honour this guy, who I've not met either, 
because I'm not a believer, I'm in your workplace or I'm your neighbour, why do you honour him above everything else, as separate, as holy, as unique? And it's talking about giving a defence here, and it's kind of like, there's a little bit of a... Where, where would you give a defence? Not thinking of football. In a court, yeah. So this, this could be a sense of people making, make, not accusations, they could be, but there's like a sense of pointed questions. Why are you doing that? That's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Why would you give your son down? Why are you going out on the streets? Why do you go to house group? Why do you meet up and bo- do, read the Bible together? Why do you not fill all your taxes or your expenses? Why are you honouring Jesus? Why are you not entering into the conversations about that awkward person that works in the office? It's a real pain in the neck, but yet you don't talk about them like they are. Because you're honouring this Jesus as holy. He's different. He's the one you're worshipping. He's the one you're glorifying. These people are seeing, hang on a minute, we're, we're, we're going this way, and this person's going that way. And the world is going in one direction, and this person seems to be stood on something more solid, not being sort of drifted around by situations and contexts. It's interesting, isn't it? But yet when you get into those conversations, the next bit, it says about, do it with gentleness and respect. So when you're given a defence for the hope that is in you, this Jesus, this person, this God, this Lord, who you're, who you're glorifying and worshipping in your life, hopefully, to the point where other people are asking, you're not getting into arguments. Because your conversation is sorted with gentleness and respect. That looks like not getting into arguments on social media or in the workplace. Not arguing people into the kingdom, but honouring the dignity of the individual. Now sometimes there is a sense of, you know, a bit of wrestling going on. But we've got to be aware of what, what's, what's helping and what's not. Haven't we sometimes? I've, I've, like, I'm talking out of a place of having put my foot in it with this way more than I've done it right. I remember when I was first a, um, first a believer, I think I've shared this story before. I was in the car with my brother. I'd been a Christian maybe a year or two. And uh, I, was give, I think he was giving me a lift to the airport. No, I was driving. Yeah, and he was in the passenger seat and we were in the car for a long time we somehow got into a conversation about church and about faith and it all just started to flow he was asking me questions and I, and I was like thinking in my head he's going to come to Jesus like it's going to happen come on Lord and then a few minutes in like to this long conversation someone just cut right in front of me on the motorway and I was beeping on the horn fingers went up I was doing sign language, I was speaking in a language that I don't normally speak in and it wasn't tongues and it was not a glorious moment, it was not a glorious moment and you can laugh at my, like my, my that's not on my highlight reel, like Jesus sees my highlight reel, that's on one of the ones where the devil often prods me, like how can you ever talk to your brother about Jesus again after you did that last time, like Blessings and curses. I was, li- I was cursing. And, and I felt so ashamed afterwards. You can imagine the devil was heaping it on. I was like, I'm worthless. So when we get into these conversations, we've got to really guard our heart that we're dealing in gentleness and respect. That wasn't aimed at my brother. It was aimed at someone else. But it's amazing how the enemy will snatch away a situation like that if he can. 
He will rob you of an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus. He'll drop fear in your heart. He might make you do stuff that you wouldn't want to do. The other person might respond in a way that will cause you to get, get offended or to shrivel up in fear. That, that really happens a lot. Like for us, like we were walking down the road. I, I often find that fear is like a bit of a barrier to breakthrough. When breakthrough is this close, you'll find that real fear comes. I think for me and Holly, I was thinking about it afterwards. When you, when you feel a really immense sense or an urge to say people's no's for them, that's probably the reason to go like, and cross the divide. Because we just don't know. Like you look at like the Apostle Paul all the way through the book of Acts. Whenever breakthrough came, it was in the most fearful and messy situations. It was in prison cells. It was during the midst of riots. It was in all of the situations and settings where we would probably shrink back. At least I would. I don't know about you. And um, we thankfully have spared a lot of that, I think, in our workplaces. Have you ever had a riot in your workplace or yeah, getting shut in a cupboard like it's a prison cell or something? Usually doesn't happen. Thankfully, we've got rules and regulations in the workplace to stop those things. That'll be Bromwin. Um, but, but that stuff shouldn't happen. If it does, go and talk to Bromwin or she'll tell you how to sort it out. But so there's a way of living that opens up gospel opportunities. There's a way of believing, and it all starts in the human heart, in your hearts. Hold Jesus separate to everything else. All the things that you love, like I've got a little exercise I'd love us to do, we won't spend long on it, but I want you to think very quickly, and for some of you it'll be like really quick, and uh, it doesn't take me long, and I know what Lewis will say for this as well, what is your favourite dessert? Maybe one or two shout out, what's your favourite dessert? French fancies. French fancies, oh Mr Kipling ones, French fancies, and right Emmanuel I'm going to give you the mic. Explain to us, just maybe in a sentence or two, why you like French fancies so much. I believe it's a gift given from God. <laughs> <laughs> it's very healthy. It's brilliant. <laughs> but what, do you, what do you like about them? The taste, you get strawberry, chocolate, lemon one. Oh. Mr. Kipling's a very smart guy. He is. Bubblegum Sunday. Okay, so we're going to go to Sarah because Sarah can't hold back. Bubblegum Sunday, Sarah, why do you love Bubblegum Sunday so much? Uh, I like Bubblegum Sundays is because it's like fun and childish, Oof. but at the same time, you get like chocolate and you also get the vanilla mixed with it, Oof. and the bubblegum is seen as a very childish um, thing, but also you're an adult, so you can afford it. Great, <laughs> great, this is wonderful, right, let's have one more, because I feel like we're in a suite, like Teresa's straight on it, dessert! I'll give you the mic. Teresa, what, 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 what does I've that do you like? I've got rhubarb crumble and custard dimension. Brilliant. Why do you love rhubarb crumble and custard so much, Teresa? Well, because it fills you up and it's warm and it's tasty. Yeah, rhubarb crumble or apple pie and crumble, if I might just change it and custard. It's like a warm hug from the inside, isn't it? It's like a warm hug fr- from, from your nan or something like that. It's like a lovely, lovely hug. And um, I'm sure we could have all wax lyrical about our favourite dessert, couldn't we? And uh, for some of you, let's make it wider than dessert. Um, what could you just talk to people about without any problems whatsoever? Like, I've got a long list of them. Football, like Charlton. I, I, just, I, I sat on a coach yesterday for about 11 hours, went to an away match. My long-suffering wife was brilliant in allowing me to go before we have little ones that will tether us to the house forever. Um, and it was great. I went to a ground that I'd not been to before, I was on a coach with a load of guys, most of them like really sad, travelling on their own, just like me, but I, I went with someone else, 
the conversation for probably 11 hours was mostly football from everyone um, and singing and chanting and all sorts of stuff which sounds really cult-like doesn't it it kind of is um, but it's you don't have to or Apple products like Apple release a new iPhone I, I could I could tell you everything about it like it's, it's just one of those things or another one for me might be camper vans for me it's something I love and I'll happily talk for hours and my wife has to grab me and pull me and say shut up love they don't want to know all of that stuff um, for some of you it'll be other things it might be your family it might be your holidays it, it might be being kind and generous for some of you it might actually be Jesus do you get what I'm saying there are things that inhabit the human heart that little throne they sit in the seat of our emotions and they're kind of set apart I'm not going to say they're holy but they're the things that you probably love more than a lot of other things in the world so when I'm saying football you probably think that that's not it for me but it might be trains it might be planes there we go look at that oh I didn't even plan that but these are things that we just that captivate us and what we see here is is our those things are good things but there's a better thing. Not to replace those good things, but just to be held up higher in our heart. Because the mouth is the overflow of the heart. So if we really struggle talking about Jesus, it's probably because he's not quite where he should be. He's not being set apart as holy. A little higher than everything else. Leading and guiding and setting the agenda. I don't say that in a heavy way, but I've found that in my own life. Like sometimes I can give myself to these things so much, I get a little bit blinkered. And, and Jesus kind of drops. So imagine the league table, using the football analogy. He sort of drops down a little bit. He's not even in the playoffs. He's sort of mid-table now. And that's not a good place to be. Because all of a sudden I start to think, and I, I've thought it a little bit recently, hence this provocation to go around the streets. Like, am, I re- am I setting Jesus apart as holy above everything else? Or have I picked up things along the way? Extra responsibilities other things, challenges at home, you know, all, all of the reorienting of life, that Jesus has somehow, I love him, I really do, like I've given my life to him, but somehow the other things have just kind of just got a little bit bigger than they ought to, and then it has an effect, it kind of sort of muzzles us a little bit, and the other things we become more vocal about. I, th- I think some of the things that can be a real challenge with this, particularly like talking about that cost of living crisis, like money, it can become a real God, Kind of, it can become something that kind of just gets in a little higher than it ought to. Uh, I love the, the encouragement that we get, where it's uh, seek first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added unto you. It's not that the, these things should be pushed aside and forgotten about, but actually, as we seek first the kingdom, kind of Jesus helps all these other things find their rightful place. The important ones end up right up there. The unimportant ones actually fade away, and they like, kind of lose that grip on your heart. Because whatever's got your heart kind of controls you a bit. Do you, get what I'm, do you see that in your own life? I certainly see it in my life. And so we've got to hold, the first point really is holding Jesus above everything. How might we do that? How might we honour Jesus above everything as holy? I think just making sure you're getting yourself in, in settings, like we can do it on our own, getting up early, reading the Bible, reading it in your lunch break, praying for people. That's what we're trying to do when we put on all these things, like weeks of prayer and stuff. It's not to burn ourselves out and to do more, but it's actually to do more of the right stuff. But just to try and make a little priority, it just kind of helps reframe. And I, I particularly find these times after the holidays, like after Christmas, after Easter, um, after the summer holidays, 
We always have a week of prayer, and it's to do that. It's to think, oh great, we've had a kind of a bit of a, a strange month or six weeks, but actually I want to get my eyes back on Jesus. Because my eyes go on other things, they go on family, they maybe go on other, other stuff, you know. And so that's why we have these times, kind of, you see that in the life of the nation of Israel. They would have um, feasts and festivals regularly throughout their kind of calendar year to set time apart to come and seek God as a nation. And that's kind of what we're doing. It's not just let's get busy for Jesus, it's actually let's kind of change our rhythm to focus on him a bit more. And so that's kind of why we exhort you to come and, and pray. You can obviously meet with running partners, meet up with other people. It hasn't got to be in a running partners, but just meeting with people, reading the Bible together, turning up to house groups and stuff like that. All of these things just help us make sure we've got a little foothold somewhere where we're giving a bit of time, particularly if we're, we're struggling to do it during the week, even the more. You know, it's kind of even the more reason to do it because actually we're losing that footing in our own life, in our own rhythm, which really easily happens, I think. The, the second point, I think, is are, are we ready? What would it look like in our daily life to be ready? I, th- I think of this thing of be always being ready. It's like you guys didn't need any preparation whatsoever to wax lyrical about your favourite desserts. They did a great job, didn't they? Those three that shared. And, and I'm sure whatever the thing is for you, you wouldn't need any preparation because you know about it. You love it. It's great. It's so tasty. Why, why would you not want to share that amazing news with other people? You've got to try a cheesecake, haven't I, Lewis? You've got to try a cheesecake. It's so amazing. And it's a bit like that with Jesus. We've got to practice with one another, but just sharing your story. You, above anyone and anyone other than Jesus, should know your story inside out. I don't know your story inside out. I know my story inside out. But how, how might we share that with people in, in an appropriate way? Like it's inappropriate when I wax lyrical to people at a dinner party or when I meet them about a camper van for two hours because I can't stop because I just love it so much. But actually if I'm able to really capture someone up in what I'm passionate about for a minute or two, that's actually probably socially quite appropriate, isn't it? And I think it's the same with Jesus, like learning how to share your story with people. We did that with Rhonda, didn't we? How to, there was a time in my life when I was broken and without hope. Then I met Jesus. Now I've got hope for the future. Uh, have you got a story like that? You know, that we've got these sort of little tools that we can use to, sh- to reframe your story. And so over these next kind of few weeks, we're going to practically do that. And then we're going to have a little go at going out in pairs. Uh, some of you might want to hang back and pray. We're not going to force anyone to go out, but we're going to make a bit of space so that we can. Um, which I think is exciting and also really scary. But are we ready? I think of an athlete kind of being on the starting blocks and, and you know like they on your marks, get set go and they sort of, they've got different positions haven't they? You literally, I won't get down on the floor but I used to do a lot of training on the athletics track and um, starting blocks are great if you want to if you're getting ready, but like it helps you doesn't it? Um, you've got to train you've got to get ready, there's preparation to do always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you've got in Jesus and so are you ready? What, what would getting ready look like? It might look like in your running partners asking one another to pray for one another for opportunities with work colleagues or with neighbours. Maybe even putting on a barbecue to invite some family, friends or something along to introduce them to someone maybe that's a bit more confident in talking to people about Jesus or, or who you think would be a really good fit for them to get to know. What would it look like for us to, together as a church to get ready to share the reason that we're called Hope Church, that we've got this living hope called Jesus, 
That's what this month is about. It's about us getting ready, being ready, and then staying ready. Um, not just doing it for one month and then forgetting about it for a few years and then doing another month. We really want to kind of get a posture where we're thinking, actually, you know what, if someone asks me about Jesus, I feel confident that I can at least tell them what I've seen, what I know, my story. No one can argue with my story because it's my lived truth. Um, but we'll practice it with one another. Is that okay? So we're going to do that. We're going to share some things online to do that. I think that would seriously impact Sittingbourne if there was a pe- group of people. If you have a little look around, we're not all here today, are we? And you think how much we're growing. Uh, like we were chatting with Adam uh, Gregory about this in the week. We're really growing. There's probably about 10 people, 15 people that are fairly regular that aren't with us this morning. That's exciting. Like, What would it look like if all of us were a bit more confident in sharing the gospel with people and talking to people about Jesus and seeing the opportunities and actually creating opportunities as well? I think that's really exciting. And then I've kind of already touched on the third point, but really making sure the spirit of everything that we're doing is generous and respect. Um, I've, I've been out on kind of, I don't know the best word to use it, um, outreach events and things like that, where sometimes, I'm sure you guys have as well, where sometimes um, in our zeal and our zealousness to share the gospel, um, we can end up like missing the person. And you can end up getting in situations where the, the kind of doing so with honour and respect doesn't happen. Um, but actually we, we end up either getting into disagreements with people, we can end up upsetting shop owners by the way that we're talking to customers as if they're sat outside a coffee shop, you know, like we can do stuff that upsets them and we just don't care because we're talking about Jesus. Like we've got to be really careful about some of that stuff. Uh, what does it mean to be a people of good repute in the town? It says that in Acts 2, that they were known and of good repute in the town or in the city, in Jerusalem. So we're not getting into arguments, we're not forcing people, we're not twisting people's arm, arms to give themselves to Jesus. There's no disrespect that's coming through. And ultimately, again, all of this stuff comes from a heart that is yielded to Jesus. So how are, how's, it, how's your heart this morning? Have you found, found you're getting a bit short or a bit frustrated? Like I said to Natalie the other day, I was like, I'm really not feeling myself at the moment. I'm feeling a bit grumpy. A bit frustrated, maybe carrying a bit too much. You know, you, you, if we soberly reflect, you can find that sometimes. Like a pastoral situation, situation might come up, and you think, rather than great, let's pray. You're thinking, oh gosh, sort your life out. Do you get what? Do you get what I mean? There's one response is probably more Jesus, and the other one isn't. And, then, and you you have to have that like moment, almost like a little MOT of your soul, where you're like. What has something else crept into the throne room? Jesus is still there, but there are some other things that maybe some of it isn't. It's just: Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough rest? Are you getting time with your family? Are you doing things that regenerate you? Are you having a Sabbath? Have we just come out of a month of Sabbath rest? Now it's easy to spin so many plates that all of a sudden we're just like, eventually there's nothing left to spin. You know, like you just can't do it, and then, and there are so many people that get to that point, doesn't there? I can't do it anymore that's not fun is it is it love (laughs) when people get to that point ultimately we can only give what we've got we can't give anything that we've not got so we can talk about the, the, the prince of peace we can talk about the lord of lords but if he's not that to us if we're not living in the good of that we're not going to sow that into people's lives 
we can talk about stuff that we're not doing and it won't bear the fruit that it ought to because what we're doing is we're giving people spiritual seeds that we're either living in the good of or not. If you've got the fruit, you've got the seed to sow. And it's like that with anything in the Bible. If we're not living in the good of it, you don't expect a harvest when you preach on it. If, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart and you're talking to people about forgiveness, you're going to sow unforgiveness. It's like if I've got seeds that are apples, apples and oranges, and I'm sowing apple seeds around here, but I'm telling you it's all oranges, when it bears fruit and a harvest, what are you going to get? You're going to get what I've sown, not what I've told you it is. And so we've got to be really careful that we're living in the good of what Jesus has invited us into. We can't call it one thing and then expect something um, and expect that if we're, we're actually operating in a different spirit. And so it all flows from our heart. If Jesus is set apart as holy, all this stuff's going to flow. If he's not, it won't. That's kind of what I'm saying. If we're not living in the good of it, we can pray for it, we can ask for it, but we're not going to live in the good of it. We're not going to see it because there's something that has to happen in us. And Lord, the Lord can help us. He can reframe things. But for me, sometimes there is that little sort of sense of sober judgment of like, Lord, will you help me with my heart? It's kind of not quite where it needs to be. Would you just shift a few things for me? And then I think the last bit, which I wanted to talk about, is in Ephesians 4, it talks about living a life that's worthy of the calling. Living a life that's worthy of the calling. So this is on us. That verse, it means it's on us, that we have to live a life, we have to make decisions, we have to act in a way that is worthy of the calling of God on our lives. And the context of these verses, if you read earlier in, uh, in 1 Peter 3, what we see is everything before it is how to struggle and bear up under persecution in the workplace, in the family, in the society. It's basically how to be a believer when everything is going against you. And it talks here about um, to suffer. It's verse 17, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And so there's a sense that it, all of the world's against you. Everything's going against you. You've got a boss that's a slave master. You've got disagreements in your family. You're living in a Roman kind of Roman rule, rule, and yet you're trying to live in a different way. You're trying to honour those that you're living with. And the way that you're doing that, when you're basically bearing up under struggle and difficulty and suffering, real world suffering, not kind of some of the suffering that we kind of struggle with, is actually the way that we honour Jesus through that presents a gospel opportunity. Because everyone else that's not living like that is asking you, like, why on earth are you honouring Jesus when your life is falling apart? When everything's going against you? When you're misunderstood? When you're being taken advantage of? That presents a real world opportunity. That's why people are approaching you, asking for the reason, for the hope that you've got, because it's a hope that is yet to come. It's something that we're yearning and striving for through a world that doesn't understand. There's a world that's literally living around us that they're, they're like being blown from left to right. They haven't got something that they're standing on that's firm. And then they see you going through the same stuff as them, but, but responding in a completely different way. I was thinking about some of this stuff to do with whether it be droughts, whether it be Ukraine war, whether it be energy crisis, whether it be inflation, whether it be COVID, whether it be monkeypox. My gosh, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's hard to kind of get your head above it all. When you sit down and look at it, it's easy just to get a bit depressed. But are you responding to that in the same way as your neighbours? Ah, panic! It's the end of the world! Ah, what are we going to do? Or are you honouring Jesus above it all? 
You are my portion. You are my healer. You are my provision. You are my king. You are my protector. And they see you doing that. Like, why? Like, you're doing something that I don't know about. What is that? How have you got this peace? That only comes from the heart, doesn't it? It only comes from where Jesus is seated and enthroned. And if he's not, we're going to be like the world. And so can I pray this morning? Is that okay? Um, and if that's something that you, you're like, Holy Spirit, gosh, help me. Um, again, I think like Lizzie said last week, like for me as I've sat down preparing this, I've just been like, Lord, this is, it feels like it's just for me, but I'm sure it'll probably speak to a couple of others. Um, maybe you might want to put, just put your hand on your heart. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Uh, King Jesus, I thank you so much for your word that brings life. Um, not judgment to us, but it brings life and the opportunity to, to move in a new way. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you help us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we've got in you? Lord, we thank you that we've been set apart, like you are set apart. We've been seated in heavenly places in you that we can enjoy the peace that is in the throne room of heaven. Help us to lift our eyes above all of this stuff that captures our hearts and our minds and fills us with fear or, or even apathy. Lord, we look to you. You are our portion. And we want to lay hold of you this morning. Lord, we pray that we would live in such a way that we would be like a, a city on a hill. We're emitting light into a dark world. That we would know what healing is in brokenness. Lord, that the world would see us and see you and just think, I need that in my life. Because I'm struggling. And so, Lord, we look to you for all that you've won for us on the cross and in your resurrection life. Lord, help us to be on our toes, ready to give a reason for you. And that many people will hear the wonderful truth of who you are and that you've changed everything. You've already done it. And all we need is to lay hold of you. And I pray that, Lord, for our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, our enemies, uh, those we don't know here in Sittingbourne and further afield, that you would be lifted up above everything else that sets itself up to be looked at above you. Uh, Lord, help us not to let things kind of get in the wrong priority. Help us, um, those of us who are parents, to kind of really make a priority of you in our household, in prayer and through the word and through the way that we interact with other believers. Lord, we look to you. We want to live in the good of that, that we would be sowing spiritual fruit, spiritual seed into others' lives. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your presence. For your glory we pray. Amen.